Good afternoon, collectors and friends. Welcome to Trading Card Therapy. The episode is number 48. Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And for those that are celebrating it, it's a wonderful time of year. You get to eat and drink and be merry. You get to watch football. You get to see family, some instances, friends. And most importantly, get to relax and really be in the moment. So wherever you're traveling or if you're hosting at your house or at your home, I hope you have a wonderful time. All right, let's get right into it here today. We're going to talk about a recent deal and collection I went to go see in the Seattle, Tacoma, Washington area. So I was contacted not that long ago by a gentleman gentleman named Daryl who owned a fairly substantial vintage basketball collection that he he started putting together, you know, well before uh, the times of COVID and pre-2000. And so for those of you that have been in the vintage card market or as a collector for a few decades, you know that in the last 10 years or so in particular, Vintage basketball cards have appreciated immensely. So, Daryl first reached out to us with a complete PSA graded set of 1948 Bowman basketball cards. And if you're not familiar with that set, it includes one of the most iconic basketball rookies of all time and one of the first big men of the NBA, George Mikan. Every single card in the set was graded. And I have a few of those highlights to show off today, so stay tuned. The reason why we started with this set in particular, it was the only graded set he had out of all of his vintage sets. And if you're just tuning in, he had some really amazing vintage basketball sets. He had 1948 Bowman basketball. He had 1957 Topps basketball, 1961 Fleer basketball, 1969 Topps basketball, 1983 and 84 star basketball with some loose 86 Fleer basketball singles. And by the way, if you're thinking, you know, I tuned in recently and I've heard some of this before. Well, we actually did do I did not hit the right buttons and therefore we are redoing the episode. So hopefully it's a little bit more polished and we get right to it. Uh, And if you are being patient listening to this again, I appreciate you uh, joining us and listening to it again. So getting back to center here, um, the reason why we started with the graded basketball set of 1948 Bowman is because he shared some images with us, and I was fairly confident that I would be able to value it properly, even though I wasn't going to see the cards in person, and also make him an offer. And you might say, well, like, wait, there was a lot more in the collection. Sure. But in this particular case, because every card was graded, I really felt like I could quantify it, I could value it, I could make a really strong offer, and then take it from there. And so that's what we did. And once we had a meeting of the minds and a tentative agreement for the 1948 Bowman basketball set, I realized that he wasn't going to ship any of it. That's okay. We decided to explore the rest of his collection a little bit more. And when I realized that he had some of the most iconic vintage basketball sets ever made, then you know I was going to do everything that I could do 
as a professional baseball card, basketball card, football card, and hockey card treasure hunter to get this collection. So we did a little bit more research and due diligence. And once I felt comfortable that we had the basis for a deal, keep in mind, there's no guarantees. Once I've decided to go out to Seattle and the Tacoma, Washington area that I would get this collection, but I felt a lot more comfortable after having a meeting of the minds in the 1948 Bowman basketball set. So I booked a flight and I decided to take a different approach as far as how I would transport the collection if I was able to purchase it. I decided to ca uh, pack a carry-on bag that was with me, of course, on the plane. And then I took an extra really big bag, almost the kind of uh, piece of luggage that you would, you know, check on a plane if you were going away on like a seven or a 10-day vacation, you know, like one of those really big bags. So going out there, I didn't really have anything in that bag. It was actually empty. But it was with the hopes that going back, I would need to be able to fill it. More on that later. So I set my sights on the Seattle-Tacoma, Washington area, and I fly in on a Friday. I get a rental car at the airport. And literally, you know, I think it was like a two-hour delay. After a six-hour flight, a two-hour delay, getting up at like 4 a.m., I finally arrive at Daryl's home early afternoon on that Friday, just a few weeks ago. So upon arriving to his home, and I'm going to make sure I have the picture uh, or some of the pictures ready here. The living room, there had to be 30, 40, 50 boxes of, you know, 5,000 count boxes full of cards. You know, not vintage, but he had told me he had uh, some really interesting modern football and basketball cards, mainly with a smattering of some baseball, and maybe an occasional hockey card. So we get there. I'm like, all right, listen, I got to at least get into it right away. And I'm going to kind of take you through it. As I was seeing it, I asked him to see the 1948 Bowman basketball set. So without further ado, here are some of the highlights of the 1948 Bowman basketball set. And of course, you can see if I'm showing them off here, it does mean that I bought the collection, but I'm still going to take you on my journey and how the process went. So there's a nice Bob Davies, very well-centered PSA 6. Stay tuned to the end for the mic in. There's an Andy Phillip, former Celtic, Red Holtzman, former Nick. Ernie Calvary, number one card in the set, really good color. 48 Bowman, George Mike and Rookie, incredible color. Very well centered left to right, just a little bit off top to bottom. Let me show my friends on Instagram as well. Here are some of the highlights that started the whole discussion between Daryl and Just Collect, my company, completely opposite coast. But certainly, my ears perked up when I heard vintage basketball. All right, so we get through that set. I appreciate how well organized he was. He started showing me the 57 top set, the 61 Fleer, um, the 69 tops. And he actually had two Jabbar rookies, one six graded by Beckett with the set, another extra one, a 70 tops Maravich rookie. And by the way, this is all top of the, you know, top of the mind here. Um, really was a phenomenal collection and appreciated uh, how welcoming he was uh, to me and how well organized Daryl was. So we are going through all the cards and we kind of hit the wall on the vintage. I'm like, all right, I'm thinking my work's done. I'm like, oh, so Daryl, do you uh, just want to sell the vintage? I already know that he'd want to sell everything. So we start going through the modern and like, you know, I'm getting hit left with the 81 tops football set with a BGS six and a half Montana, excuse me, eight and a half Montana. He doesn't know where it is. 
We have to like pair things up. And then the real work started because we started to dive into, let me see if I can find this very easily here. Thanks for being patient. Let's see. Oh, did I not take the picture when it was full? I don't remember. All right. Well, getting back to center here, I will show you some pics in just a minute. We had our work out for us. And we spent all day that Friday till about, excuse me, all day that, um, let's see, uh, excuse me, all day that Thursday, looking at the cards, um, went back Friday and had to leave Saturday. So, I look at the cards for approximately 2.30 to 9 o'clock, about six and a half hours on that Thursday. And then on that Friday, I return late morning. We get right into it. And at about 4 o'clock, uh, we stop because I had done my evaluation of my numbers on the stuff I had seen on Thursday. There was a little bit more, um, especially in the modern realm of things, to see on Friday. And at about 4 o'clock, we started to talk numbers and talk turkey. And so we realized at that point, upon my evaluation and my offer, that we may not reach a deal. You know, he said that his valuation was a little bit higher. He was hoping for more. And, you know, he said, well, wait, you know, I'm sure you've never uh, experienced this before. Of course I have. But, you know, we went through everything in detail. Um, any questions he had, I was able to provide the answers to as far as, um, you know, the values and why I came up with the values that I did based on certain conditions, uh, so on and so forth. And so at about four o'clock, he throws up his hands on that Friday and said, you know, I really got to take a break. You know, I'd like to go talk to my wife. Totally understood. And so, you know, I need about an hour, hour and change. You know, do you want to go back to the hotel? I said, sure. You know, I took my rental car. Uh, the hotel was just a few minutes away. Uh, right on the water there uh, in the Tacoma, Washington area, um, really beautiful area. And so I was nervous. You know, I didn't know if we were going to get the deal. You know, certainly didn't want to fly 3,000 miles um, in one direction, so 6,000 miles total, right, to uh, come back empty-handed. But it's one of the hardest things as far as buying collections uh, is concerned and also being a collector is being disciplined enough to know where you draw the line and when to say, you know, listen, I can't go any further. And believe me, I've walked away from deals before. Um, this is one that I did not, of course, want to leave there, um, but I was prepared to if I had to. Uh, and so, you know, when we separated, I was, of course, double checking all of my notes, making sure that I didn't miss anything, or didn't undervalue anything. And I felt pretty good, uh, you know, as far as evaluation went. But, you know, you can't control what people are going to do. So, you know, Daryl took his break and I went back to the hotel, as I mentioned, um, and kind of, you know, sort of pins and needles, really, uh, for a little bit. Um, then when he got back, he asked if I could come over. Uh, I really didn't know, you know, what the scoop was going to be. And we did not reach any conclusion quickly. In fact, I remember, you know, there was a bunch of uncomfortable moments where I'm like, all right, well, listen, if you think the modern is worth, you know, that much more, maybe you should hang on to it. Like You can make it a project. You could take your time with it. You could really eke out every last dollar. 
And um, although he appreciated my candor, it's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to sell everything at once. And so what I was explaining to Daryl, I said, even if we're theoretically off by like ten dollars or $20,000, I want to show you guys, uh, and you're going to appreciate it that much more right now. This isn't everything. This is what was shipped to us. We'll rewind in a minute. It was a lot. It's a lot of work. And so I was explaining to him that I wasn't doubting that the value could be there, but I was explaining to him that just doing the math or the rough numbers on what the labor would cost and the time involved, it, it just, it wasn't worth it. I didn't see it the way that he did. And to be fair, you know, he wasn't pointing to like, Hey, here's a $5,000 Peyton Manning, you know, super duper, you know, numbered refractor rookie. Here's a $5,000 LeBron or Kobe. He'd actually acknowledge he had sold a bunch of LeBron and Kobe cards a couple of years ago. So I said, I'm like, I have no doubt there's lots of $5 and $30 and maybe even $100 cards, but it was going to take a lot of work to realize that, that, that money um, and those sales. Uh, and so, you know, we really, we kind of sat there almost like in a standoff for a little bit. I'm looking through my numbers again. And then I had thrown out there, I said, listen, you know, Daryl, we're off a little bit. And by the way, it's getting so late that even if we reach a deal, I don't know if I'm going to be able to pack all of this stuff plus more in a little bit of time. You know, you have to get out of the house by, you know, certain time Friday night. My flight's leaving on Saturday. I think it was a one o'clock flight. So back it up, get there at 11. You got to leave at 10 because I'll drop off the car. So, you know, we were starting, the walls were closing in. You know, we kind of both felt that pressure, if you will. And uh, I did increase my offer. I try to shoot for the bullseye when I make offers, even on, you know, collections that are five figures and six figures. I really try to be as close to my final offer as I can when I make an offer and I have a reputation for doing that. Um, and in this particular case, that's exactly what I did. But then I took a step back and I knew that we were a little bit off in terms of the price, you know, what he was hoping to receive what I was willing to offer. And so then I asked, you know, Daryl, we have all this work to do in front of us. Even if we reach a deal, would you be comfortable with helping me ship the collection back? And he's like, what do you mean? You're not going to take back, you know, the 48 Bowmans? <clears throat> you know, and I'm going to show off some of the other cards, of course, here in just a few minutes. You're not going to take back the 57 Tops basketball and the Bill Russell PSA 6? I said, no, 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 that stuff's coming with me. So he said, what are you talking about? I said, kind of like all the bulk here that's sitting here. Um, I have no doubt it'll take you a real amount of time. Um, and I just try to estimate how many hours it would take. And so I raised the offer that I was willing to pay on his collection if he was willing to help me ship back some of the bulk. Keep in mind, and Daryl, if you're watching, you know this. He was not responsible for any of the shipping supplies. He was not responsible for any of the shipping costs. What I needed him to do was to help organize it and ship it in a way that would hopefully get back to us all the way on the East Coast safely. And so I raised the offer. He was thinking about it, contemplating, and it was really the most that I could pay. So uh, he had then started asking questions like, all right, you know, how are you going to pay for it? Uh, you know, how quickly do you need the stuff back on the East Coast? And I started to realize, all right, we might have the basis of a deal here, but still no hands were, were shaken and we were not there quite yet. We talked a little bit further and the moment of truth came, we reached a deal. I appreciated 
the few days, really, uh, that's what it took to go through everything. Um, I think Daryl appreciated how thorough I was. And even though he may not have got every last penny on the modern stuff that he was hoping for, I think he understood where we were coming from. And I tried to be as transparent as I could the entire time, letting him know, even up until the last minute, I was willing to leave the modern stuff behind and only buy the vintage. So we reached the deal. He said, all right, well, what's next? So in terms of how we paid for it, because I know folks always ask, we wired him the money. In terms of how we got the collection out of there, well, that was that was uh, not that easy to, to deal with. But because Daryl was willing to help, because I came prepared with a huge oversized piece of luggage that was completely empty, let me tell you what I did. I took both pieces of luggage inside his home. I emptied out all of my um, clothes that were in my carry-on luggage prior to going to Daryl's house. That was in the hotel. I knew I would fit that into the larger piece. So the most important part of the collection, and I think that this is true in life, but certainly in, in collecting I've seen, 80% of the value is generally in 20% of the stuff. So I tried to make sure that I could take with me all the expensive key cards in this carry-on piece of luggage. And then like that next tier of stuff, I would put in that you know, uh, check bag. And then everything else that I just showed you, I was hoping that Daryl would, you know, ship back to us here on the East coast. And you wouldn't believe it, but it worked like a charm. This collection is probably going to be entitled something like, you know, I, and this is the truth. I traveled about 6,000 miles in about 60 hours in about two and a half days to buy this collection. So I traveled a hundred miles an hour for 60 hours straight to buy this deal. Now, no, I didn't fly the plane. I didn't fly private, but I did fly to get it. I did rent a car. I did fly back, all that. And then, of course, I work with Daryl, who graciously, I'm very uh, appreciative that he not only helped ship us it, uh, the stuff back, but also did an amazing job. So without further ado, I'd like to show you some of the highlights of the vintage basketball bonanza from Tacoma, Washington. Thanks for tuning in to Trading Car Therapy, episode number 48. Without further ado, here are some of the other highlights. Bill Russell, fairly well-centered, key rookie card, 1957 tops, graded PSA 6. Wilt Chamberlain, 61 Fleer rookie, highlights the set. Yes, you can see it's off-center left to right, but it's got really great color and very sharp corners. That highlights the 61 Fleer set. Here are a couple of the other key rookies. Jerry West, Big O. And for those that saw our recent 48th episode that did not tape, that's why we're redoing it. Thanks for your patience today and tuning in. Here are a couple of the highlights of the 1983 84 star basketball set, first ever star basketball, Isaiah Thomas and a gem mint. Dominique, the human highlight reel in a nine. All right, now for some random football cards. Jimmy Brown, rookie, one of the greatest running backs, if not the greatest running back of all time, in a PSA 6. Great eye appeal, just a little bit off center left to right. A couple Tom Brady, Bowman Chrome rookies. 
Beckett Rock Hard Review. I asked him why he was doing so much Beckett stuff, and he said, like many collectors that are out there, he didn't want to ship his cards for grading. So Beckett was coming to some Tacoma, Washington area shows back in the day, and we get cards graded by Beckett. If you're watching and listening to Trading Card Therapy today, let me know in the chat. Are you comfortable shipping in your cards for grading through the mail, or do you wait for the, um, the grading companies to appear at local conventions where you can do everything in person? He was a fan of Peyton Manning, so he has some really fun, uh, in some cases, game-used and signed autographed Peyton Manning uh, cards. This one is a game-used and signed Upper Deck created BGS9 from 2001, so that's an early one. It's kind of nice. This is an SP Authentic Players, Inc. from 99. This is graded BGS 9.5. That's a sweet Peyton Manning as well. All right, and for the highlight... Of the Tacoma, Washington Vintage Basketball Bonanza. He had a 1984-85 star basketball set. He got all these graded himself. The first couple are Beckett Rock Hard Review. Akeem Olajuwon, six and a half. Barkley, eight and a half. Stockton, nine. Show our friends an IG. All right, and then for the three Jordans that are graded. First up, the gold medalist card. Very popular. This one's graded as six. Looks a, bit, a little bit nicer. Next up is the rookie of the year card. Also very popular. Also graded as six. And for the single best card in the collection, the highlight of the 84-85 star set, and one of the main reasons why I went 100 miles an hour for 6,000 miles over 60 hours, here is a 1984-85 star basketball, the official number 101 Michael Jordan rookie, graded BGS, Beckett 8.5. Look at those subs, an 8 on centering, an 8.5 on corners, a 9.5 on edges, a nine and a half on the service. That is a beauty. And with that, we are going to wrap up our 48th episode of Trading Card Therapy. I sincerely appreciate each and every one of you for giving us a listen and tuning in. I hope you enjoy the content. And most importantly, have a wonderful holiday season. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.